Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Terrific show tonight. Excuse me for presenting it that way, but it is. There's all kinds of exciting things to talk about. I'm going to start with China first, three or four items on China, because they're now our friends, quote unquote, and we should know the people we're dealing with. China, the people in China, they dress like you and me. You saw the president of, uh, of China when he showed up in the United States a couple of weeks ago, Mar-a-Lago, for his meeting with President Trump. He was wearing a suit and a tie. His wife had a normal dress on, and that's the way the people in China dress. Now, because these people dress like us doesn't mean they are like us. Uh, there are people in European countries that are opposed to us that dress like us, but they don't think the way we do, nor we do we think the way they do. And it's the different thought process that commands how we, we, we conduct ourselves in our lives. Uh, they do things we think are wrong. We do things they think are wrong. So let me start with this, and don't be shocked. China harvests body organs. You heard me, body organs. From the thousands, and they come from political prisoners, And the surgeries to remove the body organs from the political prisoners is done without anesthesia. Tough. That's the way it is. Now, if you think I'm way out, this story was reported in Newsweek, and it was written by a series of well-respected reporters. The organs are taken from political prisoners, again in the thousands. Many are from a religious group called Falun Gongs. Falun Gongs. They primarily take the livers, cornea, and kidneys. Livers, corneas, and kidneys. Now, there are no survivors to these surgeries. Not one person is a survivor to the surgery. One, there's no anesthesia. If the procedure itself to remove the livers, the corneas, or the kidneys does not kill them, Their bodies are nevertheless disposed of in the same way. Whether alive or dead, the bodies are placed in incinerators in hospital boiler rooms. Incinerators in hospital boiler rooms. Now, nothing wrong with us doing business with China, but we've got to understand they're not like us and we're not like them. And, you know, we just got to deal at arm's length and, know what they do that's wrong that we don't do and hope that we can find a common middle ground to do business together and i believe we can china by the way denies the newsweek story staying with the chinese again uh they're making fun of donald trump yep they're making fun of donald trump uh and it's in a it's in a particular city called taiwan Not Taiwan, as you and I know, and I may be mispronouncing it, but it's T-A-I-U-A-N. Taiwan, China. It's at a shopping mall, big shopping mall. A giant rooster statue. It's a rooster, chicken, with the head of Donald Trump. Looks like Donald Trump. It's an intentional resemblance of Donald Trump. 
And the thing that stands out the most is the hairstyle, okay? And it also has hand gestures comparable to the way Donald Trump talks when he speaks with his hands. The statue is 32 feet tall. Replicas are being sold at the mall from anywhere, depending on size, from $57 to $1,739. Now, if we did that with the president of Japan, I'm sorry, China somewhere in this country, there'd be hell to raise. Let me talk about another area where the Chinese are making fun of our president. And so I think he deserves it sometimes. I've got to be honest, though it does offend me because he is our president. Uh, wigs. The Chinese factories are producing tons of wigs, Donald Trump wigs. They're being sold big time in China, in Europe, every country in Europe, and they've just started to sell in the United States. Costume stores all over the world are running out of Trump wigs. Now, so far, it's just been interesting. The, the, the political prisoners uh, having their body organs removed and the way the bodies are disposed of is terrible. The other two items I talk about about making fun of Trump are so-so. You can get upset or not upset. But this upsets me very much right here. The next thing I'm going to talk about. The President of the United States... Any federal employee, Ivanka is a, a federal employee, should not do business personally, especially where the business benefits the individual. It's against the law. We know this. I mean, how can you be the president of the United States? You can make a ton of money at the job if you want, want to do business with everyone you're doing business with worldwide. You want to get special deals, give special deals. Uh, if you got even the slightest bit of corruption in your body, you're going to be a thief and make a ton of money to the detriment of the people you represent. Now, here's what's going on in China. If you want to set up a business where you're benefiting or making money for your name, it's called a trademark. And before you can do it, you must obtain a trademark from the Chinese government. For example, if Trump wanted to sell hats, it'd be Trump hats. He has to he has to file and be given a trademark by uh, China that he can use Trump hats or Trump horses or Trump hotels or Trump baseball parks. Well, after he was elected, but before he was sworn in, he applied for 38 trademarks from the Chinese government. Now, understand, he can't do business using his name, and that's the way he makes money from his, the, his name brand. And that's the highest number anyone has ever applied for. He got preliminary approval in February. Then there's a 60-day waiting period for final approval. It's due in a week or two. He'll get it. Is there any question in your mind? He will get it. But let's go a step further to Ivanka. Nice girl. Nice lady. I'm sure she's terrific. But she's stepping in shit all over the place, and she's going to get in trouble like her father. The evening that the president of China was here with his wife, sitting at a table, having dinner in Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago, uh, with Donald Trump, Mrs. Trump, Ivana, her husband, uh, guess what? That very same day, 
Ivanka got three trademarks approved, the final approval on that very day. And they, it was the process was accelerated from what I read. So it wasn't a full 60 days, okay? And she got approval to go with Ivana, Ivanka, Trump Jewelry, Bags, and Spa Services. Jewelry, Bags, and Spa Services. Now, numbers talk. Last year, Ivanka did $17.9 million in business, importing uh, stuff to sell. May, overall, she made $17.9 million in business. This year, in the first quarter alone, the first three months of this year, her imports are up 40% from last year. Up 40% from last year. And during the very week, the president of Japan was here. I'm sorry, of China. I keep getting them mixed up in my mind. Of China was here negotiating, talking with her father. All right. 3.4 tons of Ivanka handbags, bracelets, and blouses arrived from China on ships to American ports. In that very week, 3.4 tons of Ivanka Trump handbags, uh, wallets, and blouses arrived. Now, don't sound right to me that she should be doing this kind of business. Don't sound right to me that her father should be intending or is doing some sort of business. Uh, you know, you could say, well, they do it intentionally or unintentionally. They didn't know better. Here, here's what I think really happens with them. I don't think they know the law and they intentionally violate it. I don't think they pay attention to any laws. They have been such big people all their lives, and nothing wrong with that. A lot of money, you live very well. They've been big people that they're accustomed to doing what they want to do when they want to do it, and no one questions them. But you can't do what you want to do when you want to do it. If your father's the president of the United States, oh, you are president of the United States. And that's the way it is. Let's talk about robots. I've been talking about robots for two years. I didn't think anyone was ever going to talk about robots. Now people are starting to talk about robots. And I, I will repeat what I have repeated and written consistently, especially in the last six months. Trump's going to bring all these businesses back from Europe, Mexico, uh, the Far East, wherever, because those jobs belong here. Well, we should have fought for those jobs 25 years ago when they left. Because there aren't that many jobs to bring back. Most of these places are operated with robots. So you bring the ABC company back here that had 10,000 jobs when it left. It may only have 1,000 or 2,000 now. The other 8,000 are done by robots because it's cheaper. So now let's talk about the construction business, which interestingly is Donald Trump's business. But uh, I, I'm not talking about it for that reason. I'm just talking about it because robots are getting into the construction business. Pres building homes, specifically. Presently, there's 750,000 construction jobs for housing in the United States. 750,000. The wages run from anywhere uh, to the minimum wage to $100 per hour. Now, these houses, I'm talking about prefabs, 
Remember prefabs? They look like a trailer. They bring them in two parts to a site, and you slap them together, and they're there. They were built in a factory. We've been building prefabs, prefabricated homes for years in factories. Uh, this is going to be a little different, and we built prefab houses, but they were simple because they're hard to do, but we, we could do them cheaper in a factory. These are going to be custom houses. Uh, they're going to build, you know, the cheapo house. They're going to build the type of houses that have been built, but they're going to build a $6 million, $10 million house, too, using robots, because the robots now can work on those intricate walls and those corners that you can't get around and so forth. They have robots qualified to build the big, expensive house. Cheap houses, everything's going to be a cheap house. Now, here's why. If you build in a building using robots, you can build an expensive house in six to eight days, not two years, not three years, in six to eight days with all the fine trimmings, okay? Also, there are no weather problems. Uh, men come to work, it starts raining, they go home, you got to pay them for a half a day or something. You don't have to worry about the weather. You are inside a factory or a warehouse. The labor costs are cut dramatically because you're using robots that are going to build in six to eight days instead of laborers that are going to take two or three years. And that's what's next on the agenda, my friends. It's just starting up with the fancy houses. I'm not saying they've taken over that market yet. It's just starting. There's one or two companies out there. But in a year or two, it's going to be big time. Which brings me to what happens to those 750,000 construction workers that I mentioned. Uh, the same thing that's happened to others of those in the United States that have quietly been replaced by robots. they got to find jobs. They're on their own hook. Because our government, whether was Obama, or it is presently Trump, don't think, do not plan for what are we going to do with the new unemployed human workforce. Which brings me back to China for a moment. They're smart people. Let me tell you, as rotten as they can be in certain instances, they're brilliant. They took their minds. They have many minds. They dig coal. And they export coal big time uh, to North Korea. They did coal big time. They replaced the coal miners, the people who bring the coal up from the holes in the ground, the tunnels, to the people who put them on the trucks and trains, to the trucks that are driverless that go 100 miles, to a ship, and Robots are doing all this work now. They've replaced all the workers with robots, including the truck drivers, the people who put the coal on the ship, etc. Driverless trucks, all robots working from the hole in the ground elsewhere. But what did China do with all those workers? They sat back and they said, okay, what are we going to do with the workers? We just can't say you're out of work because you have to remember, China may be a dictatorship, but the people would rebel right away if they weren't taken care of. China takes care of their people very well, the ones they don't kill. Anyhow, what did China do? All of a sudden they said, we need subways. 
all our major cities should have subways, and if they already have them, they should have new subways. So all the coal miners are not, were retrained immediately and are now digging subways, are creating, constructing subways all over China. I don't know why they didn't use robots for this too, but that's how they replaced uh, the humans. They took that with the robots, and then they took the humans and put them into creating new subway lines. I want to go to India for a couple of items here. You know, we don't hear much about India, but India, they know how to make money. Uh, They have very talented people. That's why uh, when you call up Comcast or you call some other uh, entity you're doing business with and you get a record, somebody will talk to you. If you get a human being, they've got an accent. And you're generally talking to someone from India. Because they train their people well and their people work cheap. So even our American companies use Indians in the, in the country of India to answer the telephone to take your complaint. Putting that aside for a second. I said they're smart people. They're smart people. Here's what's happening there. I'm going to talk about pesticides. Pesticides. You know, those things that give you cancer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the products put out by Monsanto and, and Dow Chemical. In India, they use Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> I'm laughing. Uh, as a pesticides, as pesticides. And it's dramatically cheaper. And here's the story. The Coca-Cola and the Pepsi are produced in India. It isn't you know, bottled here, canned here, and shipped over. It's Indian Coca-Cola and Pepsi, same product, but it's done with Indian water. Now, all soda is, all soda is, is water, okay, and sugar, water and sugar, and one or two other inconsequential compounds, okay, in another country like India. India uses water, comes naturally from the ground, naturally from the ground. In the United States, our water comes from municipal water sites where tons of chemicals are thrown in, all right? In the soda, the Pepsi and Coca-Cola in India, there is a pesticide residue in it. They They take the bottle of soda and they use that for the pesticide. And within it, there's a pesticide residual that we don't get in this country because we don't use groundwater. We screw the water up with uh, chemicals to clean it, or we would be able to use Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola here for, for pesticide purposes. Not only do they use it for pesticide, they use it, they sell it to clean oil stains, tile grouts, and strip paint off cabinets. Now, three thoughts occur to me here, or a few thoughts. What does this stuff do to the stomach (laughs) that they drink in India? I mean, my God, if you can use it as a pesticide to kill all kinds of bad things when you're trying to grow something, and you can clean the grout, that's the worst. Uh, What's it do to their stomachs? Apparently nothing. It's going to hurt Monsanto and Dow Chemical if it ever spread outside of India. And again, uh, the water's important, as I told you. Indian water's just groundwater, nothing in it, whereas our water's municipally 
comes from a municipal site. They're set up to clean the water and make sure we don't get sick. It's full of chemicals. The pesticide, the, the reason, the primary reason for use of the pesticide in India, Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola, is that it's cheaper. It costs the farmers next to nothing. A farm site that normally would require 10,000 rubies for pesticide can be covered for 30,000, 30, not 30,000, 30 rubies using Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Can you imagine? Instead of 10,000 rupees, it only costs you 30 rupees. So what do they use? They use Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola. Another thing about India. India knows how to cut corners when it comes to making money. Uh, unfortunately, they pay their per people cheap wages also, which is another way of cutting corners. Uh, there is a move internationally. This has been going on for three or four years. This includes American banks, because American banks are at the forefront of this. Goldman Sachs, which Trump has hired many of in his cabinet and surrounding him, is a leader in this. The banks want to get rid of cash money. No more paper money. And the reason they want to do this very simply is they know another recession's coming someday, and it'll be the biggest one ever. And then people will make runs on the banks. The banks will not have enough money. Uh, and the banks always have to have money for themselves. Forget the depositors. So by getting rid of the cash, the paper money, now you have a debit card. And you pay for everything in the world, not just gasoline. Uh, you go to go to the store, you buy a Coca-Cola, you pay for it. You go out to dinner, you pay for the dinner with the card. You buy a new shirt, you pay for it with the debit card. Everything's that card. You got the money in the bank, your card's on her. No money, you're screwed. Okay. Uh, this is what they want to do. So here's what India has done. They already started changing their cash money. They take, took some of their money dollars, like a $20 bill, I don't know which one it was, a $100 bill, and they said, we don't have these any longer. And in place of the 20 we got a 30 In the place of the 100 we got an 80 uh, Now, the problem is they have not yet changed the machinery in the ATM machines to handle the new dollars the new paper money that they're using. Uh, they did some of them, but they haven't completed them all. And they don't make the old money anymore. <laughs> so there's not enough debt to go around. So the ATM machines are running empty. Yeah, they're running empty. The other reason is they intentionally are doing this because they want the people to join them in saying, we want the debit card. We don't want cash money anymore if we can't get at our money. The lines are great in India right now. The people are trying to get their money. They can't. The bankers are sitting back and smiling because they, they created this disaster. It's not all going to happen this year, but it's going to happen in the next two, four, or five years at most, okay? India is forcing its people to go to what is called, this is a new word, my friends, Demonetization. Demonetization. That means getting rid of cash. No cash, only debit cards used. Alabama. 
You know, these southern states, with all due respect, Alabama, Georgia, they all have these screwy laws. And some of them have been on the books a long time. Uh, now, in Alabama, the law says that anyone in jail, we're talking about state jails and, and county jails, anyone in jail, uh, the sheriff can make money. And here's how he does it. This law I'm going to tell you about is 100 years old. Part of the budget monies received by the sheriff is for food, for the food budget. If mon any money is left at the end of the year, that money goes to the personal account of the sheriff. It is his money. So if he's supposed to spend $3 a day per uh, uh, person incarcerated and he only spends $2, he's making a buck off of everyone per day. And the money adds up. This is an old law again, 100 years old. Only two sheriffs have been taking benefit of it in recent years. But let me tell you, one made $212,000. Yeah. The other, $160,000. Well, it's legal. They can keep the money. It's not against the law. But the, the, the inmates, they said, don't screw around with us. And they took them to federal court. And they took them to a state court, the sheriffs. And they said... They're not spending enough money on food, and therefore we are hungry, we are starving. And two courts have agreed with them, but said we can't get the money back. It's legal. It belongs to the sheriff. They've tried to change the law in Alabama. It never gets out of committee. So everybody must be on the takedown there with all due respect. And make a long story short, the federal court entered into a consent degree, and the state is following the, that method by using a consent degree, whereby the sheriffs of these two counties have agreed that no, all monies in the state budget will be used for food. There will be no monies left over. They will spend every penny. And the sheriffs have agreed not to take any monies if there were some left over. Uh, but again, the damage has been done. But it's interesting. These southern states are terrific. Uh, the people at airports, the people that take care of visas, this is a sad, stupid story. There recently was a three-month-old baby boy in England who was sort of accused of being a terrorist. He and his family were going to travel outside England on a vacation for the first time, grandfather included. They were going to Disneyland in Orlando, okay? They, they family trip. They bought their tickets in advance. They had the hotel reservations paid for. They went to the airport in London. You had to fill out a visa waiver form. And the grandfather did it for the three-year-olds. His name's Harvey Kenyon Karens. And the grandfather filled it out wrong. And let me tell you the box he checked. He made a mistake. The question was, and I quote, do you seek to engage in or have you ever engaged in territory, terrorist activities, espionage, sabotage, or genocide? The grandfather checked the box saying yes. So they wouldn't let the kid travel <laughs> because they admitted to being a terrorist. <laughs> And the family tried to explain it. It took about eight days. They had to go to the U.S. Embassy several times. They had to talk with the English government. And the parents are pissed off, and so is the grandfather, because they took this so serious. 
the governments. I mean, this is a stupid joke. Uh, who, if you were a terrorist, would you answer yes to that question? The whole thing is pure lunacy. The father lost $3,800 on the reservations he couldn't keep. And that's a, it's a stupid example. No one thought this was humorous, and it shouldn't have happened. They had to investigate everything, the family and everything else. Which now brings me to something special I want to say about Donald Trump. And this is what I'm concluding with here. He's a bully. He's already, what, 59 missiles uh, on uh, Syria and the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan. The carrier fleet. We have the USS Hornet now in the Sea of Japan, and two more carriers are supposedly on their way there to join them. Uh, He is challenging other countries like North Korea. He is challenging Syria and Afghanistan. We have contained our enemies over the last, since World War II, and that's what you do. You contain them. You don't want to have a war directly with them. Most of them have nuclear weapons now, and we must remember the next war is going to be fought on our grounds also in the United States, not just in these other nations. And he's a bully. He's threatening these guys, and somebody's going to piss back at him. And they're going to drop a bomb here with a missile or whatever, a plane, and we're going to have a nuclear dumping someplace in this country, or we're going to have cells of people in the country already blowing, have another Boston Marathon or something. He's not doing it right. He shouldn't do it this way. He is encouraging another war. He's inducing another war. That is my show for this week. I thank you for joining me. I enjoy doing it. I'll talk with you again next week.